So Jordan, I got a, I got a question for you. What's up? An important question. Are you ready for white boy summer? I was born ready. <laughs> same well uh, yeah i did i like i thought i was ready and then we i checked in on on comrade hanks's latest uh, rules and regs okay for white yeah. boy summer when he made it clear that plaid was apparently not going to be allowed and that that may end up being a problem for me I it's a complicating admit. factor here as well yeah 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 that's gonna be tough mm-hmm. maybe we can talk to him and kind of work out some kind of a chat please <laughs> have some leniency consider your canadian colleagues chad come on well i mean that was like a direct shot at dc too because i think everybody here all other than me uh rp to men but i'm different the, the <laughs> guy but the guys here in dc for the most part wear those gingham shirts those ll bean and j crew shirts that are like the plaid checkered stuff that he's talking about you know you know what i'm talking about um the, uh, yeah, the button ups yeah. that's, that's just like blue and white or black and white checks or whatever and salmon pants or khaki and sperry topsiders those are like that is like the that is like the 28 year old uh georgetown grad cokehead at the bar uniform here in dc um so they're fucked yeah they're in for a rough white boy summer (laughs) (laughs) that's tough (laughs) That's tough. Yeah. Uh, well, well, welcome That's everyone. It's the Insurgents, uh, episode 63. Uh, you got Rob and Jordan here. We've got our friend uh, Savannah joining the show today. She's an activist with uh, you know, People City Council uh, and various other community uh, mutual aid organizations in LA, kind of a, a leftist gadfly, um, mutual friend of, of many of my friends. So uh, she's been on the ground in Echo Park as the police and LA officials have been trying to sweep the area and displace unhoused people in the city. So she's got a, we had a great conversation about what went down, the violence used by the police, this is the broader societal uh, understanding and, and discourse around uh, homelessness and social safety nets and more. It was, it was really great. Yeah, no, it was a really good conversation. Uh, the scenes out of Echo Park have been absolutely horrific. Uh, that we've seen over the, coming out over the last couple of weeks. Uh, she's been on the ground uh, for a lot of that stuff, so we were able to talk about uh, about the specific situation of of Echo Park there in L.A., but also the broader uh, situation of this like growing um, homelessness crisis. It's affecting um, all over the United States. Uh, it's affecting Canada as well. And part of the reason for why this is happening is our uh, our drastically overinflated police budgets. Uh, so we got into all this all this stuff with Savannah. It was very good. She's going to be joining the show in just a minute. Yeah, okay, so before she joins, I wanted to mention this last week and completely forgot, but we did do a another premium episode a couple weeks ago, and we are going to start to, I think, lean into doing those a little bit more. So we don't really plug this stuff that much, and we probably should, but uh, for everyone, if you do enjoy the show and you like listening to it, please uh, consider subscribing over on Substack to get into the Discord server, the Insurgents Discord server, and get access to the uh, premium episodes, which we're going to start doing more of. Do we have anything else we want to plug, or do should we, do we just want to get right into this? Just jump right into White Boy Summer. Let's just jump right into it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, Savannah's going to be joining the show right after this. joined by uh, savannah who is a a activist a foot soldier uh citizen journalist jack of all trades uh out of la uh, savannah thank you for joining us how are you i'm great thank you guys so much for having me i feel so honored really <laughs> yeah when excited. we had should this, this is a very prestigious opportunity for you yeah so. you know i always wanted to be on a podcast but my ideas are so dumb. Nobody usually asks me. So, <laughs> that's, well, you got to well, be that's... careful about this. You got to be careful about this because many years ago I was like, "Yeah, I would like to be on a podcast someday." And now my whole life is just doing podcasts all the time, <laughs> yeah. every single day. That's living the yeah. dream. That's the American <laughs> a, dream we all want. It's a gateway drug. 
when I had asked her if you, she would come on, she was like, oh my God, this is the greatest compliment I've ever received. I've always wanted to be on a podcast. And I thought like, you know what? Always. Aim high. Set your, <laughs> set your sights high. I love it. Um, I mean, you could, you could probably aim higher than this one, but I think it's great that you're here. Um, but Savannah, we open every show with a very important uh, question to kind of just set the tone for the conversation so listeners are aware of who they're dealing with. Uh, so we've asked everybody, we'll ask you now, are you a gamer? Am I a gamer? Huh. I would say yeah. I'm like a closet gamer. When I was a kid, okay. that's all I did. I, I, like, I literally have the worst eyesight because all I would do is play Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time right in front of the television screen. And it was the first game. Oh, no. The first game I beat was Banjo-Kazooie. I'm a big Nintendo 64 person. And then it went to Ocarina of Time and then Majora's Mask. I love Legend of Zelda. And then, you know, when you get like teenage, it just kind of fell off. And mm -hmm. so I, I would say I play like on my Switch. I've got Animal Crossing. I have Skyward Sword that I've been, I got, what is that? Um, for the GameCube. Was that GameCube or the Skyward? I think that was Wii. Wii. Oh yeah, the Wii. See, this yeah. is, I'm like, I, I'm a gamer without knowing any of the real, like, I don't know the shit. <laughs> but now I've been playing Breath of the Wild on my Switch and it's incredible. <laughs> and nice. I refuse, I'm literally have almost everything done except for um, going into the castle. And I was playing it every single day pretty much since I got it. And then now I've just haven't played it at all because I'm afraid of beating it. I don't want it to end. So I'm just like, I'm just not going to play it at all. I'm just going to give up right that, here before even beating it. <laughs> yeah, that we is We had someone say that exact like, thing about Breath of the Wild really recently. No, there was Jesse talking about Savannah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That was, yeah. he was talking about It's like not a rare thing, though, because I was like looking through people's like on like Reddit and stuff, people talking about Breath of the Wild and like what I can do to like make the game last longer. And I found like a couple like think pieces and essays on it about how they don't want to beat it. I was like, I'm not alone. Yeah, that was me. This Fallout weird 3. Trick. Oh. This, this is actually the same conversation we had in that. But yeah, Fallout 3, yeah. same sentiment. Yeah. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to. Be if you liked the conversation before, here you are hearing yeah, it again. again. I know. I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> no, me no, it's fine. It's like fine. The same person and we talk about each other. It's just it's disgusting. It's gross. <laughs> Oh, that's adorable. Um, it's kind of yes, like I that. It. It's kind of like that phenomenon of people like after they saw the movie Avatar, that all they all like felt this longing to to return to the oh yeah the planet of Pandora. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing when you think about it. Link, it's kind of Link Tales. Yeah. <laughs> I also I dressed up as Link uh, every year for Halloween since I was a kid up until high school, even when I wasn't really necessarily playing the games, I just had the costume that I made and I just continually rewore it every year. I mean, I think that qualifies you as a real gamer. If, if you're wearing gamer. costumes and this All stuff. the real gamers are going to freaking riot. <laughs> <laughs> like, this dumb white girl, like you can't just like, no, we don't, we don't gate, gamer. we don't gatekeep gaming here. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Gosh. Uh, well, that's, that's awesome. But, you're here to talk about something uh, important. Mm -hmm. So there have been uh, sweeps in Echo Park in L.A. Uh, mm -hmm. Homeless encampments and it, uh, unhoused uh, Los Angeles uh, residents are being kicked out of a park where they found refuge and uh, a place to call home in a difficult yeah. time. And these are these are there's stories where, where, where the stories emerging out of uh, this park were really heartbreaking. It was people who like there was one guy who was a uh, I, I saw was a concert photographer and mm. he had a stable career and then suddenly it was upended in an inadequate safety net uh, left like, you know, <laughs> created the situation. Um, but the the escalation by the police, the mm -hmm. gaslighting from city officials has has created waves. Um, so for people unfamiliar, what's kind of like the, at the core here? Why? Uh, why were the police there? What's going on? Why are they getting kicked out? Uh, and we saw mass mobilizations uh, in opposition to the police presence. Could you? So could you give kind of like a ten thousand foot view? Yeah. So the simplest way to explain it is that our city has left people out to dry, um, and then spent 
more money than they would have just helping the problem um, to just crush it and to get it out of sight, out of mind. Um, So that's just like the most simple, uh, you know, recap of what's going on. But it's it's so much more. There's so many complexities to it. And there's so many different opinions. You know, we have people who are like pro BLM being like, you know, but just, you know, they they still have these weird um, outdated ideas on houselessness and what, you know, what causes that and what we can do to help it. So basically um, in Echo Park, which is like a very central park, there were, there was a community that started forming of these like newly houseless people, like people, I'm not kidding you, who were like, oh, I was in an apartment two weeks ago. And, you know, by a stroke of bad luck, ended up with nowhere else to go. So it's about like, it was like about 150 people. There was a community garden, there was a kitchen and showers. It was totally independent from the government, from the city. They obviously were not getting any help from anyone. And I, I think it has to do with um, less about helping them get back on their feet and more about making the wealthy that you know go to the park and bring their kids there making them comfortable so when they try to do it sneakily and sweep the park which these sweeps you know you get 15 minutes to gather all of your belongings all of the only things you have left because you don't have a roof over your head anymore and then you have to try to i guess go somewhere else which is like where where are these people gonna Mm go Right. Um, and so they try to sweep out these parks. They throw away all of their stuff. But um, because I don't remember who got the the tip that there was going to be a sweep. Um, but, you know, obviously word travels so fast. And so we all mobilized very quickly. It was a really, really big crowd. I would say like 400, 500 people that came to Echo Park the first morning. And we just stood in solidarity. We walked to uh, Mitchell Farrell's. Uh, office and we try to tell them like you know there there are other ways other things we can do instead of just uprooting these people's lives throwing their stuff away and then just sending them somewhere else that's out of the way um so we basically uh, you know once they saw that we were mobilizing in those numbers they were like okay we have to do this secretly even more sneakier like in the in the you know at night and stuff and so because we have some people i think on the inside we get a lot of the information and so we knew they were going to come out and the police i guess all of lapd it was like i would also say just the same amount of officers came out to um put up an entire like uh they just every exit that you could get to to get to the park was blocked off they had you know six helicopters overhead they had officers pretty much patrolling the park and then um the first night yeah they the, we were just trying to help we were literally running through the park asking the houseless population if we can help them move their stuff where we can take them what can we do with their you know with their belongings and um I guess just over time, it was like about three days of fighting with LAPD and the city. And um, I have the number written down. It was like eight. We had an estimate of like $887,000 spent on um, (laughs) the cops over time and just them being there just to smash out the people who were, you know, the human rights activists who were trying to say, you know, this isn't the way to go about trying to fix this crisis. And their whole thing was that they wanted to shut down the park to do, um, to do like an, uh, a, like an aesthetics project they wanted to like redo the grass or something mm-hmm. it is the most it's the mm-hmm. it's the craziest thing i've ever heard that's and definitely so, the most important priority right now for sure exactly yeah. during a global pandemic let's make this park prettier and it was a five hundred thousand dollar um project too so that's just like five hundred thousand dollars just to make the park prettier when it i will I will say it's already a very gorgeous park. We've got swan boats. We've got the little fountains coming out of there. Um, and so just with the opposition of the people, uh, the Mitch O'Farrell and Mayor Garcetti had to obviously come down with the iron fist and um, 182 
uh, protesters were arrested, including I think nine journalists, but so many were detained. And that's not even like the uh, independent journalists or freelance journalists. Um, It was so aggressive, so violent, and the lies that they told to justify it. They've been putting out press releases constantly and you can see all of the like, the city who hasn't been there on the ground being like, we support our officers, thank you for the work that you did. These people are just, you know, the, the homeless people just need to go away. Like they can go somewhere else. We should all put, we should put them in the valley, out of sight, out of mind. It's crazy. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Just the, the typical liberal response. Exactly. Well, They're like, if I don't have to worry about it, it's not that I don't like houseless people. I really yeah. care. But they just don't have to look at them. Yeah, not in my neighborhood. Yeah, not in my backyard. It's so oh. dumb. We had so I've been fighting with so many people on Twitter that are like hashtag BLM, you know, with all the the pride <laughs> flags and everything, and they're just like, you know, we just have a homelessness issue. Yeah, and we need to fix it. And I'm like, yeah, by throwing people away. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this is something you like. You mentioned the the cops and the the overtime they're getting paid to like do this stuff to like mm-hmm. clear these like tent encampments of people that are unhoused and we, this is something we covered the last time we sort of talked about this issue when we talked to uh, richie sergenko about mm-hmm. um some of the evictions that were happening in el sereno around thanksgiving yeah um and just pointing out the idea that like they literally waited until thanksgiving so that during this holiday weekend they'd be able to get this like triple overtime uh, exactly. to, to pay these cops to like clear out these families families that are occupying vacant housing during this like global crisis not bothering and, like, that, anyone that's what yeah exactly and then that's what the priority is is like we need to we need to inflict maximum punishment on these people but also do it in the way that we're spending as much as humanly possible on the police um more money than than what it would actually cost to house these people because that's it's not about providing shelter for people or or solving these problems um it's it's literally just making the problems worse and and paying the cops to do it exactly first of all richie's a king love him um but yeah it's uh i was reading an article and um we have a lot of fantastic on the ground organizations that are actually doing the work and actually finding housing and uh services for people who you know don't have anything but um uh robin from k-town for all said that they're like it's obviously like temporary solutions um, and it's it's absolutely manufactured urgency. Like the cops are just trying to create it. The cops in the city are basically creating this like this needs to be done now. And it's just it's so wasteful and it doesn't it, it, it's inhumane. And they do. They wait till the cover of dark or like most of the sweeps, because this isn't the only one that's happened. A lot of people don't know that these sweeps happen like every week. Um and it's always in the bright and early like it's so hard to be an activist and try to get to all of these sweeps and try to protect people or stop the like you know at least at least um give like buy time because it's kind of like no matter what they're gonna go through with it because the the apparatus for the state is just so powerful our police department is three billion (laughs) dollar occupying force and it's just too hard to fight with a couple of, you know, ragtag kids trying to stop a bulldozer from smashing somebody's home. And they know that. And that's why they'll do it at a very inconvenient time. And the only, uh, it's just frustrating. The whole, it, it, it's all so connected to with the, the pandemic and with capitalism and everything. It's almost like because of the pandemic, now we have enough time to be able to be aware and come into this light of like, um, you know, we're so much closer to being homeless than we are to being a billionaire or, you know, you know things like that, where it's just like people, there's this like um, new understanding that we have from people who can be at home and watch what's going on. But this has been going on for so long and it's, and it's working against the police that we have enough time to care about this right now. So we're in a global pandemic. A lot of people are out of work. It's putting a lot of people out on the street, but it's also giving rise to a revolutionary thought of like trying to fight this shit. Um, there, there seems to be like kind of a bifurcated uh, response. So you have Eric Garcetti, who's the mayor, and he was absent 
yeah. basically this entire time. And I was like reading up this morning to get to prepare for this and saw he just now started talking about it. And he's talking in this like, you know, mildly condescending, but oh, like yeah. fake concerned tones. Like, I, I love the activism, but yeah. there were all of these different all of these, you know, issues in, in, in Echo uh, Echo Park. And he said something like he tried to use like all of these different types of things that the police did, like abuse and violence um, as, as, as justifications for these sweeps. He had no problem with the way the police responded using those exact same things. And then you mentioned Mitch O'Farrell, who I had, a, I, for people who aren't aware, so this is a council member, mm -hmm. uh, he's probably a lesser known figure nationally, um, but it, he he ordered these sweeps. How does this, how does this exactly work? Because uh, I had that question at first. Yeah, I... That's what's crazy about all this. And I told you guys, like, I'm, I'm an activist. I'm a foot soldier on the ground, but I'm just a person. Like, I, I'm a kid that didn't even think about this stuff, you know, three, four years ago. And it's just like, mm -hmm. they kind of rely on people not knowing how this works. I don't mm -hmm. know how Mitchell Farrell can order the LAPD to brutalize all these protesters for nothing. I don't know how that works or what the level of command is. All we know when we're on the ground is that we are sitting down, chanting hands up, don't shoot. And they're surrounding us on either side with like five, 400, 500 cops. And it's, it, it's just devastating to be gaslit by those same people who are like, I'm going to call on a LAPD and I'm going to call on, you know, LASD, depending on what, you know, protest or what um, encampment uh, we're protecting in that given time. And it's like to, for them to um, have that kind of power and then use their PR to make them sound like they were the ones helping. Like Mitchell Farrell is going on this like tangent about all of the things he's been doing for, to help the houseless community and all of the, um, the work he's done and what is actually so great about what he did. And it's just, it's, it's horrifying. And I guess to answer your question is I don't know. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how, you know, the line, the line of command works or why, where Garcetti's been during all of this, um, or, you know, even how the city council works. I'm dumb. It's crazy. I'm just a person, but I think that I can represent like the a, a broad demographic of the people who are on the ground that just have this feeling of like, I know this is wrong. And I know that, um, this is something I feel in my heart. I need to stand up for and fight back against um and that's why i would call myself a soldier is because i i don't lead any of this i'm not a i'm not a local organizer or anything we have like a mutual aid group that i work for and i volunteer with a bunch of different organizations but i'm definitely not the person that knows the ins and outs of the political sphere in uh los angeles <laughs> i'm just i'm just on the ground i don't know <laughs> It's a good deflection, though. That confusion mm -hmm. makes people kind of, like, disoriented. Exactly. It's like in the big short. <laughs> then, it's like they, they, they want you to not know, so they, they make you feel like you're too dumb. You know, you would never be able to run yeah. for office, or you would never... This is like a... This is an elite person's thing. This is an educated person's thing. Yeah. And it I'm, gives cover for Garcetti, who then comes exactly. out... Who's silent the entire time, comes out afterward, and it's like, I love... I actually love activists. Yeah, it's, like, it's crazy. <laughs> what? what? It's, I want well, to scream. Well, this, this is the democratic approach to these problems, right? That we see you, we hear you, yeah, exactly. we love the activists, we love our unhoused communities. Now we're going to send in the stormtroopers to just beat the shit out of everyone. Exactly, and, and that's what the, the most insane thing is, is I have a lot of friends from all over the country. And, you know, for, from the perspective of being in L.A., it's like one of the most liberal, progressive um, cities in the world. It's like we have a Democratic mayor, a Democratic governor, um, all, you know, even Mitchell Farrell. He's like a white gay man. He's like ran on progressive politics. He's like, I'm this great, you know, um, I'm going to change the world. And like, you know, we, yeah, the we see, hear you, we see you sort of thing. But their actions just are blatantly obvious in the other direction. It's very crazy. I don't know, that's what's frustrating. Yeah, and it's frustrating um, 
after after everything that happened this summer in the United States and around the world with these protests about the police and about police mm-hmm. violence, systemic racism and these things, and how the whole defund the police movement really kind of started to catch on and the slogan really started to catch on. Mm-hmm. And because there's like a certain sort of like um, liberal intelligentsia that have that have recoiled against this and pushed back on it because it's you know somehow politically toxic, or you know you've had you had Joe Biden when he was running for, uh, in the presidential election, you know deliberately saying like no no I'm going to give the police more money and, and yeah. you know making sure that they don't support this like terrible this terrible idea, but then when you look at like I'm looking right now at this at this infographic that's getting tossed around for Mayor Garcetti's uh, 2020-21 city of LA budget and oh, it's just like it's yeah. so easy to make someone understand why this is important you take this list you see emergency management nothing cultural affairs nothing nothing uh, parks and recreation a, you know a couple million transportation a couple million housing and community investment barely anything and then you have the LAPD three billion dollars and it's just like and it's literally just like this is what fucking defund the police is about it shouldn't be complicated to explain this to people if you're going around talking about why you think the police need to be defunded it's not because you think crime should be legal but Mm. you're saying like hey maybe if we spent more money on like giving people homes to live in or like dealing with trauma or addiction or mental health we wouldn't have to offload that responsibility to the police to go in and and we just arrest these people and violently interact with them like this um but that's exactly. what the you know that's what the priorities are that, the, that all these things have been underfunded and these police budgets not just in la like you can look at this in any city you live in in the, in the west you can look at the mm-hmm. same phenomenon where all these things get underfunded and then all these social problems that develop because these things are underfunded then that gets handed over to the police to deal with who are people that are not equipped to deal with it exactly and A that's and then these problems just continue to fester and then it's like oh look look at the problems are festering we need more money for the police and then and exactly. repeat endlessly. it's crazy it's fuck it's insane because I, I will always be like uh, my whole part like the only personality I trait a trait I have is hating cops. Like that's if anyone who knows me, it's the only thing I talk about, it's the only thing that makes me me is how much I hate cops. But I will al- always, I guess, uh defend them in the sense that they are just doing too much. We expect in our society, we expect cops to do too much. We expect them to be handling the mental health issues. We, we, you know, we, we just expect them to be everywhere for everything. Get a kitten out of a tree, you know, or whatever. It's crazy. And so like, their funding is ridiculous because we're trying to have them do too much and they don't have the proper training for any of it. Not even de-escalation, not even dealing with, you know, hardened criminals or whatever. And so a lot of people just need to like shift that, um, that like for that thought where it's like less police doesn't mean more crime less police means more money for things that will actually actively keep crime from happening like if you feed clothe house people they're not going to feel the necessity to like for that competition of survival to you know do yeah. stuff like that um, and one of my friends, a photographer that I know on the ground, was saying that um, the way the mayor and the city of L.A. is handling everything is kind of like they'd rather, it's kind of a gross metaphor, but they'd rather pop the pimples than just wash their face. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> they'd rather, instead of just taking the time to like do the the work and the upkeep and actually giving people viable options, because this project, uh, project room key or house key, Project Room Key, I think it is, is just, it's appeasing the NIMBYs, the not in my backyard people, because they're like, oh, they were offered um, help and they refused. And it's just like this way to pat, it's for a way for liberals to pat themselves on the back. Like, look, we tried. These people are just too far gone. They don't want our help. And that's why we should just kick them out. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's just, instead of just actually doing the work, they'd rather just sick their freaking guard dogs on the people who are actually trying to do the work yeah that's it's, that type of stuff is just uh too often too rigid and mm. insincere i mean i think a good um analogy is how like one stop and job placement services and even temp agencies will basically mm-hmm. just do whatever you have like one option if you don't like it you're the ungrateful one it's like exactly okay, wait, can I, I like can you just like work with me here exactly um, and that's like the the like the staple of an abusive relationship is being like 
offering something and then being like, after all I've done for you, mm-hmm. really patting yourself on the back for not offering even the a snippet of dignity, you know? Right, right. Um, and uh, I think you, you made a good point that I wanted to touch on. Mm-hmm. We are so ingrained, uh, it's so ingrained in our minds and our collective like outlook that the police should be the first responder to every situation. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think when, when we talk about defunding the police, within that is funding social services to create a, a more um, concentrated and thoughtful and deliberate response from other agencies exactly. for the appropriate crisis. And that's more social workers, that's more counselors, that's more therapists, that's whatever for the appropriate type of person and response and crisis and whatever. And I was telling you guys before we started recording, uh, outside of DC, a story just broke about a five-year-old kid who was handcuffed by uh, the, the, the county police for running away from school. Fucking okay. insane. Wouldn't a guidance counselor or a social worker be a better, more fitting oh response there in that moment? And it's just, it, it, it boggles my mind that Everyone just thinks, okay, yes, we the police have to be there for everything. That yeah. kid is not going to learn anything from being put They're in handcuffs. It's terrifying. Absolutely. Exactly. Well, he's going to learn to be fearful of and mistrust exactly. the police. Like that's the exactly. lesson that he's yeah. going to take away from they that. They just radicalized right. a five-year-old kid. Come on <laughs> over, bud. <laughs> Join the resistance. But, but like, yeah, social yeah, worker or therapist would, would could set this kid on a better path. Exactly. Oh my gosh, that's so devastating. And that's why we say all cops are bastards. It's because can you imagine <laughs> being a cop handcuffing a five-year-old child? Right. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. I can't believe that. And there's just like, you, these just keep popping up even after an entire summer of, you know, direct actions and having people def- like, you know, having some cities defunding police and everything. It's almost like, it's almost like it's not enough to defund them. It's almost like we need to abolish them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know more and more people are it's saying like, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm a absolutely an abolitionist, but um, I understand, like, I, I, I can understand where people out of fear or, um, you know, whatever their, <laughs> whatever makes them just, uh, you know, I still get a resistance constantly on every social media platform. It's like, Oh, the, the, the thing that I thought we all like figured out a long time ago was, Oh, well, if there's no cops, then it'll just be pure chaos. And I'm like, Oh God, we talked about this at the beginning of June. <laughs> like this, we've already done this. It's not, True, but like if people just still don't know, and there's so many people who are just still, yeah. you know. Well, that was the that was the annoying thing about that discourse as well, too, where it's just like you had this kind of like again these kind of elite liberals tut tutting the activists, saying, "Well, yeah. you can't just oh. like defund the police. Like, why don't you like you can't just go right to something radical like that? Like, why don't you talk about reforming the police or doing these? Mm-hmm. Other, but it's like the defund that is the, the that is the compromise. That's <laughs> yeah. the compromise position. The radical position is to abolish the police and abolish exactly. prisons. We're already compromising by like taking this stance of defunding. Um, but then for the liberal set that's not that's not enough. You still just can't even mention that without Exactly. You know, and that. LAPD and LASD the sheriff's department, they're like the most murderous police forces in the country and within this past week even before um, the Echo Park sweeps um they had shot I, I believe it was like six people in like seven days something crazy um after everything we worked for this summer and after all eyes were on them and how we have so many more um yeah, they don't care yeah they don't care they get away <laughs> with it it's it's, it's yeah. insane and it's mind-boggling that people is still you know bootlicking or like supporting the police but um that goes also hand in hand with um the houseless community in Echo Park specifically because so many people were, you know, um, oh, well, we offered them help. We have Project Room Key and it's an amazing thing and it's so charitable and it's so great. But if you look through the packets these people were given, it's basically prison. They have armed guards. They're not allowed to take anything more than two bags of their belongings. And a lot of people, when you move out, if I moved out of my house, if I got evicted, I would have so much more than two garbage bags full of things and um so they had a lot of the times people are like oh well they were offered help um and you know the whole ungrateful thing but they don't realize what goes 
into it. So you have to like, I think they're not allowed to have um, their pets or their service animals. So a lot of those people who are quote unquote refusing services aren't just ungrateful or drug addicts or all the stuff. It's just literally they can't, um, these rules are so strict for just temporary housing. Like I wouldn't get rid of all of my stuff to stay in a hotel for two weeks that I have to check in at 7 a.m. and check, er, yeah, check in at 7 a.m. and check out at 7 p.m. or like whatever these arbitrary rules are. But I was reading through them earlier and they're, it's, it's, it's a prison and it's temporary. So who in their right mind, what adult in their right mind would sign away all of those rights? Yeah, it's a nice hotel and you can shower and stuff, but when it's your, your entire, all of your family photos, all of your, um, your books or your, you know, anything that you own, your personal property, if you have to throw that away for two weeks in a hotel, it's, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. I think there's a couple dynamics too here. So one, I, 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 there are, I think most recent estimate that I've seen that's been, you know, consistent has, is around 90,000 vacancies mm-hmm. uh, in Los Angeles. And we talked uh, before on this show about even state-owned property, uh, unhoused uh, people were trying to stay there over the holidays, and they were ripped out by state police. Oh my god! And you have like even when they're trying to just like find a home, uh, they can't. There's enough. There's enough to go around for everybody. There's like millions and millions of vacancies across the country. Yeah. And. Nobody really seems to care. It's just, I want them out of sight. I want them away from me. And the media is extremely deferential to the police. And I was following the coverage (laughs) and then comparing it to people who were there and describing it. And it was just night and day. It was crazy. uh, police, like uh, protesters assemble, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, that and like, this is a situation where you have a militarized, a violent armed militarized entity and arm of the state arresting journalists arresting protesters beating them uh, abusing them Mm -hmm. and all these protesters were there for was to protect the most what some of the most vulnerable people in our society just to say hey maybe we should treat these people with dignity as well and despite all that the media was extremely deferential and i was reminded of uh, a couple weeks ago in la when they had that blue ribbon uh oh my god building blue bridges march where they co-opted language from john lewis on their banner and it was the police and some community groups marching together arm in arm and it said uh good trouble or whatever which is one of good trouble necessary trouble so many people over that and even in that to go back to your earlier point they interviewed a bunch of people who participated and one of the girls was like i would like to see the police do more work with mental health why why don't we just invest here. more in counselors and therapists and social workers? I don't want to talk to a fucking cop with a no, gun if I'm having exactly. a mental health crisis. It's never made no, yeah, it's crazy. It's just wild how like the I think that the worst part obviously is uh, the criminalization of poverty and how mm-hmm. Los Angeles has handled um, this entire issue and you know the not canceling rent just the 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 usual COVID stuff that is fucked over so many families um but the the slap in the face like after is the gaslighting from these uh yeah the the news sources the media and the um the politicians mitchell farrell literally went to the um asian american uh pacific islander um, like stop Asian hate thing and he got booed off the stage and it was great because everyone's like how like this, this is affecting our community as well and then he marched with um, LAPD officers with a sign that said enough is enough and he's <laughs> been putting out these press releases and these tw- Twitter threads about how um, he was like you know we had to come out in force because the protesters they were they blinded our police officers with strobe lights and it's like <laughs> it's so funny because i am very um i am very entrenched in the protest community and i feel like if we had strobe lights i would know and i think they're talking about cameras flashing and it's just funny to see how um that you know how hurt they were by these flashlights 
I guess a t- an officer <laughs> was temporarily blinded. I heard. Yeah, he, yeah. They're, just, they're using that as the reason why they came in and broke some kid's arm and, you know, tackled people to the ground and literally held 182 people, which is more than, like, more than they arrested during the insurrection at the Capitol. Um, it's just, it's, it's crazy what they're using to, like, justify it and what they're saying about what happened. They're making us sound like outside agitators. They're making us sound like we came there just to fuck it up, but we don't actually care about the houseless community because if we did, we'd be doing what they do. But what they do is just, it's a sorry excuse for um, any sort of care. You know what I mean? For the community. It's, it's just crazy. And oh man, Mitchell Farrell, Mitchell Farrell. If I see him, it's on site straight up. <laughs> I'm like, I, <laughs> I know where Garcetti lives. Oh, we, we've we've heard we've heard the, the People's Council in L.A. knows addresses. Yeah, we know we've got names and addresses, and we actually have Mitchell Farrell's uh, address. I haven't been out, and I don't know anyone, wink wink, who has been, but um, out to his house. It's just I we mean, we never that, condone anything like that. No, I would never. <laughs> and it's one of those things where it's like, at at what point? We're just kind of. I think everyone in this community is just kind of like, what what's the next step? Because we've seen all summer how we've been brutalized and targeted and it just feels it, it it's just it's so devastating just the response you know obviously in every city across the country just dealing with this black lives matter movement and the police response but then like also seeing now this is not it wasn't even necessarily a political movement that like this echo park thing was just people caring about people you know what i mean like it wasn't some people think black lives matter is a political topic you know what i mean they don't make it political by bringing blm into this or whatever the fuck they say but with, with seeing the police response to um to <laughs> like pretty much uh disappear poor people i don't know how everyone in this goddamn city isn't radicalized because that <laughs> shit is whack <sighs> i could scream well, it speaks to the like punitive nature of uh, our economic system. This is not just about America, although like, I do think America is kind of particularly punitive um, when it comes to criminalizing like uh, homelessness and poverty. But this is something you see all across the West. Um, you certainly see it in Montreal, this exact same approach, where, you know, the, the reflexive thing for people to say when they, when they want to, you know, just end any conversation about this issue is like, well, wait, we can't, we can't afford to just like give everyone homes. So it's just, this is what we, this is the system that we have, but it's like, we really, we really can we afford can. to do that. It's <laughs> exactly. literally less expensive to provide housing for every single unhoused person and counseling and all these things than it is to deal with this, this issue, deal with the issue this way um, with this, like in this very punitive way, paying police to like, uh, you know, to violently uh, arrest these people exactly. and, and you get involved in this like carceral system in the, in the meantime. Um, you saw there was an experiment in Finland recently where they made this, this observation where it's like, Oh, we've, we started just giving houses to um, our, our unhoused community. Mm-hmm. and providing them with counseling and lo and behold this huh. is very helpful it helps people like get reintegrated with society and Who it's less thought? expensive yeah but that's when you realize that this approach it's not about how much it costs it's not about saving money or anything like that they could you know they could end the homelessness tomorrow in any one of these major cities uh, they choose not to exactly. because it's a feature not a bug of our economic system it's like you need to have that that underclass of extreme poverty and homelessness to like scare the people into that working. are yeah, exactly. Into into continuing to participate in this. And that's that's the whole purpose of it. Exactly. And that's why I love I I mean these these situations are so horrible and tragic, but they give people an insight into like the symptoms of yeah, our economic system and why, you know, what things exist in place and why. Like what the most important thing anyone can take away from what happened in Echo Park, which is just one of every day of every year sweeps that happen in the city or in the country um we just have to ask why like why um why does it why are they spending more money to do more inhumane things when they could do the humane thing and save money 
But you, yeah, you really have to ask yourself why. And the answer you're not going to like. And it, it's, you know, and then what can we do to help that? What can we do now? Like, okay, we, we understand that there's a problem with our current system. We understand that it's based in white supremacy and imperialism. And, you know, it's on the back of the working class. And poverty is used as a... Um, a weapon to keep people in line, um, then we have to, you know, ask what's next. What do we do? How do we, how do we get out of this? And that's, that's the golden question right there. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Revolution, yeah. I guess. <laughs> it's just nuts. But we do have so many um, organizations on the ground that are helping. Like we had. For example, there was a man um, named Gustavo. He was living inside Echo Park um, in the community with the garden and the showers, and they were protecting each other and everything. He was living there and working. He still had a job. He just couldn't afford rent in Los Angeles because it's psychotic, um, as is you know most parts of the country. Um, it's almost unlivable. And he uh, tried to get back because they ended up, after they swept everyone out, they fenced, they put up giant fence with um, patrols, paying cops to just be bored and take selfies in front of the, um, the fences and stuff. Uh, he couldn't get back in to get his tools for work. Um, he does like tile and drywall and kind of uh, handiwork and stuff. And he couldn't get his tools. And then they were like, oh, well, um, we, we can get you like a hotel room or whatever, or we'll put you up. But it was going to be in a city that was probably like 45 minutes to an hour away. And then he didn't have transportation to get back to work. And then uh, like, it, it's just crazy. So we had, I think it was street watch LA, which is an incredible organization, you know, grassroots, uh, by the people for the people organization, street watch LA and, um, uh, what was the other one? Um, another organization that I will look up really quick. But uh, they actually put him up and they took care of him. And it was like totally just funded by the people. We didn't have to rely on the city. We got him a hotel. Like all, all the things that the city could have done, the people had to do, essentially. Which is just fucking crazy. And that's like the most devastating thing. But what's really cool is now I have um, me and Jesse specifically, we were like, I need to find Gustavo's number. We're going to get him some work. And so we got his work. number and we're going to get him some work. And we, cause we've got, yeah, go. it's really, yeah. So it's really exciting. And like, that's what is so frustrating is that like, why can't the city take care of that? Why do people who are already poor or working, um, already just trying to survive themselves why is it on why is it our responsibility you know what i mean it's just nuts yep yep yeah i mean that's something I, i've had to do as well when that guy was on the new uh new jersey or new york transit or whatever he was shaving on the train and everyone was mocking him the guy mm -hmm. filmed him oh. sold the sold the rights of the fucking video what? to like viral hog or one of those just like parasitic oh uh rights companies and they were just licensing it to like inside edition and everyone's like a guy shaving on a train and oh like this kid who filmed him to mock him is profiting off of it and it turns out he was experiencing homelessness and just trying to go see his brother in south jersey to so he had a place to stay he was literally leaving a shelter oh um, my god so i felt i mean i felt really fucking gross about even just seeing it so i mean a bunch of us pushed a gofundme and we ended up raising like 50 grand for him oh. so he could get an apartment um Exactly. And, and, were, and get back on his feet and have some runway. But yeah, it's just nuts. That exploitative nature of people that just like see people minding their own business and decide to pull out their camera and fucking film. That is just deplorable. Yeah. Well, and it's, it raises another sort of uh, interesting uh, side note to this because we talked about how like um, police end up dealing with all these like issues that they're not really trained to and they're not really meant to be dealing with like dealing with people that have with addiction problems and house homelessness problems and things like this um, but that's another consequence of underfunding things like housing and mental health and uh, addiction counseling and trauma counseling and all these various things that can help these communities is you end up like offloading the cost of interacting with these houseless communities not just to the police but also to like public transport employees um like starbucks employees and mcdonald's employees and and service workers things like this um so you end up having these like minimum wage workers making uh eight bucks an hour who as a basically side 
uh, task that gets added to their already difficult and stressful job. Um, they also have to like interact with these these like houseless communities and and try to to deal with them when they're going into trying to use their public facilities and the bathrooms and things like that. Uh, so we just end up having this whole fleet of people that are nowhere near qualified or compensated enough to deal with this issue um having to having to do that as part of their their other job it's it's just it's like every symptom it they're all interconnected and it all goes back to capitalism and it's just crazy that the hardest working people that i know are usually the, the most you know disenfranchised or the most um exploited and it's just frustrating that we like I, I didn't know I hated cops like I, I, I always disliked cops always I mean I'm a white girl so it, it I don't understand it the visceral hatred that I feel like a lot of other people would um but I, I once I moved to Los Angeles it was like so it's just such an obvious um thorn in the side of the world is the our, our policing Man, and it's just it's just exhausting but we we do have a lot of like um incredible incredible organizations that you know are completely independent of the city and the government and the state and all that stuff that actually do such good work and i remember the name of the other organization it's ground game la they worked with street watch um to help put gustavo up um so i just wanted to mention that but i absolutely agree with the it all falling on the backs of like working class people. <clears throat> yeah. Who don't. Yeah. And on to Rob's point. Yeah. They're making minimum wage, which is it's like wholly insufficient compared yeah. to where it should be. And even there, like you still have Democrats working against, against racing the wage. obviously Republicans don't give a shit and won't, won't support it in general, but yeah. members of the democratic party also don't support it. So it's like, they're just fucked. Exactly. It's, it's a completely raw point. deal. Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah, and and also it's just like this is an issue that I think sometimes um, it can be comforting just to be like, oh, the people that really support this kind of like militarization of the police and this kind of really heavy-handed, violent, carceral approach to like homelessness and addiction and these things. This is not like a liberal versus conservative things where liberals have this different vision that they want to enact mm-hmm. when you have cities like Los Angeles and California run top to bottom by the Democratic Party who could implement that exact system from Finland that I was mentioning. Exactly. They could do that tomorrow if they wanted to. They They've have, got the power no to do resistance. that. It's yeah. just them amongst themselves and the freaking, it's crazy. I mean, maybe they would have resistance from the corporations and like the wealthy, wealthy ass people that live in Los Angeles because we, we have the most, such an insane wealth disparity. So, I mean, I don't know how big their pushback would be, but it, it's like they're, they wouldn't, you know, they're, they're supposed to be the good guys. They want you to think they're the good guys and they're not. <laughs> Yeah. Crazy. Well, I mean, that's the kind of thing that even if like even if the wealthy and powerful people of L.A. just for purely aesthetic reasons, oh, I don't want to see these like these homeless tent cities uh, popping up. Um, it's like, well, you can get rid of those, but you can do that in a like non-punitive yeah. way, in a way that's like healthy, that respects people's integrity and treats them like human beings, exactly. uh, and allows them to kind of reintegrate into into society and live with dignity. Um, and it's also physically fiscally like more responsible. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing is you realize that they they agree with that approach they agree with that punitive approach and they agree mm-hmm. with that the police should be doing that that's the only other real explanation um, yeah, because if, if they didn't believe that money. then they wouldn't be they wouldn't be supporting it exactly if, if you're gonna save money I feel like one thing that rings true with rich people is there I mean <laughs> not to generalize but like rich people love money and a lot of people I know that are wealthy are very um, you know, not generous with it. And so like, why wouldn't you just save yourself some money and do the humane thing? But it's like, and then when you ask that question, it's because the cruelty is the point. If everyone could live and um, be housed and have the dignity of having free time or, uh, you know, ability to, to follow their passions, um, they would lose an entire workforce in their, in their minds. I mean, I know that people will still work because human nature, I believe is inherently good and we want to help our community and we want to work and we want to prosper and move forward and progress. And they're just afraid of losing that, you know, 
disenfranchised workforce where we're like just clock in, clock out. It's like the human, a human farm. They're farming us <laughs> in a way. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. It was very you uh, do not you know, love eloquently it. and uh, scientifically speaking. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm the worst. I don't know why you guys have me on here. I'm the oh, least educated. <laughs> oh, we're pretty dumb too. It's about, um, this is right in line with our normal sort of mm-hmm. discussions that we have on here. So yeah, just they they all turn bleak by it. the end. Yeah, for sure. I like try not. To, <laughs> I always get talked out of that because. I went from being like a, a pacifist, optimist, like this person that was so like happy not that long ago to being the most like doomer nihilist of all time. And it, it's like, I try to like work myself out of that because it's like, if, if you lose hope, then what's the point? You know, you, there's always got to be hope. Like I truly believe that we, there, there's a better system available. And I truly believe that someday we can get said system. Um, and I do believe that, you know, people want to help people and people do the right thing. Yeah. And on a positive note too, we, we talked to Jesse about this when he was on, which is that the cure for that kind of nihilistic uh, doomerism, black pill shit is to go out into your community like you're doing right now and try and help people and try and interact with people and try and like do what you can uh, on an individual exactly. level to try and like um, at least ease the, the ease some of these problems. Cause we know, we all know we can't reverse course on all these number of things on an individual level, but just, I think it is really like helpful to help. be able yeah, to go exactly. and, and, you know, participate in direct action like you're doing right now yeah and we uh, that's been a saving grace for me personally too it's just like i i it's not a bad thing but like i'm a white girl and i I will say it until my like i just keep saying it i know it doesn't matter but it matters in the sense of like i've i've had opportunities afforded to me that so many people haven't um and i've had that mindset where it's like oh well if i I don't understand why people are on the street because that means they must have burned every bridge that means they're not a great person because if i were homeless i would be able to stay with my parents or i would be able to stay with friends or something and i always just had this thought of like some you know something what society tells us is something must be wrong with them and not wrong with the system, you know? And being able to go and talk, look someone in the eyes and say, how are you? What's going on? What can I do to help you? What do you need? Not just like a can of beans, you know what I mean? Like, what can I get you? What do you need? If you need a phone, let's get you a phone. If you need a, you know, a tent, let's get you a tent. If you want to like a ride to work, let's get you a ride to work. And talking to these people and figuring out, you know, finding out these horrible reasons why they were left like um a guy we met it's like all right I, I was watching i didn't mean i'm sorry there's so many different stories but um there's i was just watching this video of this guy who was ho- houseless because his wife passed away from brain cancer and um the medical bills were too much and it eventually put him out on the street that is not a bad person that is not a person who made bad decisions that is a person who like struggled under the system and didn't receive any help in any way for something he couldn't control and once you like talk to these people and you know some of them are newly homeless some of them are new um have been on the streets for years and not able to catch that break and get back up on their feet but it really puts it in perspective and really makes it um it, it just really humanizes them. And I think that not enough people humanize humans, which is crazy to me. It's like they're people. People are always like, oh, well, they just need it. We need to put them all on the bus and ship them out. And it's like, but they're people. Like, this is crazy. It, it's just wild. But yeah, it does help. It does help actually talking, you know, to them. They're not, they're not scary. They're not, you know, it's just like as a girl that like would normally be afraid of going up to like a a man on the street that's like I don't know just a man in general (laughs) normally I wouldn't do that but like this has sort of created this like empathetic person in me where I'm not afraid of people anymore like because now I know you know not everyone is a bad person everyone's just trying to survive just like me you know it's crazy I think in circumstances like that where suddenly they're out because of things out of their control um, that's what uh, the liberal orthodoxy like points to as the justification for a safety net, and they'll usually make excuses to to avoid helping people who are dealing with addiction issues or have other extenuating circumstances, or even returning are returning citizens. Um, 
they'll just, you know, they'll point to this. Okay, well, it's good. This is this is it. You shouldn't have been doing X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Now, in situations with variables outside of their control and they're still winding up uh, homeless, yeah. like that is, I mean, what, what, what good is the system? If you can't even help people in that situation, exactly. there is no safety net. It's, it's, it's invisible. It's, it's useless. Exactly. And uh, so many of these freaking wealthy white people that live around Echo Park acting like drugs are bad don't understand that their freaking nephew Chet Hanks or whatever is out doing drugs and like, yeah. no one in club. famously Hollywood, the place where no one does drugs. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's yeah. crazy. A bunch of like Xanaxed up and coked up yeah. like Hollywood people Trust are worried me, I worked about at drugs. a nightclub for years and that was all I saw. But when yeah. poor people do it, it's not okay. The same thing with tents. Everyone's against the tents being on the sidewalk until, you know, now there's those outside eating areas tents all on the sidewalk you can't get past them and it's like oh so it's only okay if rich people are doing it you know it's just like they people just have to change their the way they think it's just nuts yeah um well yeah and 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 i think the number one way that people should change the way they think about this is just because we've really been trained like each one of us to not see these folks as human beings and that's what makes it easier to say like oh well it's not my problem just let the police deal with it just just shuttle them onto a bus like you were saying Uh, and once you kind of break that programming and start realizing that these are people that are that are have hopes and dreams and feelings and and are down on their luck and have you know whole livelihoods and families and friends it's like it becomes less easy to just treat them as this like problem that you can just like you know solve with a hammer um, instead of like trying to to you know confront the issues that are leading to it in any yeah. way. Yeah. And I'm so sorry. I keep getting so excited because I keep thinking about something else that's like another point and then, and then this <laughs> and then this. But just like the, the thing with um, there's a difference between charity and having solidarity with your houseless neighbors as well. A lot of people who are in that liberal mindset, they go, you know, I love, I always donate to um, the Red Cross or whatever, the, you know, the union whatever sort of houseless shelter they have, or they're like, I donate this, or I, I, I do this, but there's, there's a distinction between charity where it, you know, we're looking down on poor people. We're looking down on the houseless. We're like, oh, they need us to help them. And that's like so backwards. And instead of looking down on them and being like, oh, those poor, poor creatures, you know, it's like a disgusting way of thinking, but they're like, oh, they need me and my garbage, you know, they'll they'll donate their like ratty clothes or something that's just like no mm-hmm. one wants that instead of doing that and creating this like trying to trying to get dismantle the system that created this hierarchy of class is so much more important and so much more like um, effective and so like there's a difference between being charitable to the houseless population and standing in solidarity with the houseless population and if you're just gonna like throw money at the problem and just hope they go away or like um you know to do it to make yourself feel better it's like it's just that's a totally twisted way of looking at it and yeah that's why i believe in mutual aid as such an important part of the revolution instead of going out and like fighting you know fighting against the cops or direct action or protest it's all super important and that's why me and jesse talk about it all the time he's the mutual aid boyfriend i'm the direct action girlfriend because um, <laughs> <laughs> like, i mean uh, he focuses it's such a uh, it, it does take a lot of time and it, it does take a special type of people to d- dedicate their lives to doing something like mutual aid it it is it is easy unless you're like organizing it like jesse but like for me i just get to like pop in and then like go talk to the communities and hand out free stuff like it's easy for me but um i don't know it's just it, it it's such an important um you know gear inside of the machine of trying to dismantle the oppressive systems and so yeah. mutual aid mutual aid mutual aid forever <laughs> Well, we should probably uh, we should probably sign off. <laughs> yeah. But uh, thanks so much for joining much. us. Of course, uh, yeah. It was great to talk to you on this about this. And stuff. I wanted you to under, shout out. You undersold and overdelivered. Oh yeah. <laughs> thanks. I know. I was like, why do you want to talk to me? I'm the worst. <laughs> I am, and I'm sorry. And this, I hope whoever's <laughs> listening learned maybe something, or can at least go and be interested in looking into seeing what like we saw on the ground, and not just what the politicians are saying about what happened in Echo Park. 
and mm-hmm. hopefully donating to organizations like K-Town for All or Street Watch LA or Ground Game LA. Um, and there's just so many different little um, affinity groups of like mutual aid and just like starting one in your own town. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just my little shout out at the end. <laughs> ah. Do you have I'm anything else angry. you want to plug before we before we say goodbye here? You want to let everyone know where they can find you uh, on Twitter? Or any oh yeah, else? I guess yeah. I mean, I'm just a I'm not just like such an unimportant asset um, for this, but I try to use my platform as best I can, and I'm always want advice from people on what I can boost and what I can push. But if you want to find me, I'm at Savanimals with a Z at the end um, on Instagram and Twitter, and I think TikTok now. I'm uh, almost 30 and I just started TikTok and uh, it's out of my uh, realm. <laughs> like yeah. I'm not good at it, but it's fun. Well, um, I'm also, I'm, I'm in my mid thirties and I'm also an important TikTok influencer as well. So don't feel, let's go. Don't feel embarrassed by that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel so freaking old and out of touch on there, but I'm trying cause I, I do, I try to post a lot of um, on the ground stuff. I try to go to as many direct actions as I can on top of like the, um, my actual like adult person's job um and we have our mutual aid which is through the socialist rifle association the los angeles chapter um and so we're always you know accepting donations and stuff like that and uh yeah my i guess i would want to sign off if you know fuck cops fuck capitalism mm. <laughs> <laughs> fuck mayor garcetti fuck mitchell Damn. farrell fuck alex villanueva i'm coming for your asses <laughs> but yeah that's it <laughs> Thank you guys so much for having me. Of course, thanks for joining us. <laughs> yeah, this is this is great. I want to play some Fortnite now. Let's go. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. Please remember to subscribe over at theinsurgents.substack.com. Find the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. And please remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's very helpful and we appreciate it a lot. But please, again... Don't mention Ken Klippenstein in the review. He is banned from the show. It's a lifetime ban, so please do not mention him in the review. And we'll be back later this week with more of the content that you know and love. Goodbye. Goodbye.